All right, everybody. Welcome to the Lifestyle Business Podcast, where we believe starting a profitable business is the best way to get the lifestyle that you desire. And man, life has been good lately. We're, we're on to the weekly schedule, same bat time, same bat channel. I love it. I love having that kind of consistency. I love getting on the mics to say hello to Ian, my friend and colleague. What's up, brother? Dan, how's it going, man? It's going awesome. Today, I am going to uh, meet up with David from the Tropical MBA, David and Sean. Uh, we're going to go have some beers and get to know each other, and it's going to be sweet. One other thing that's sweet is that we've got full-time admin staff here at the podcast, so all we pretty much do is brainstorm what we're going to talk about and then just get on the mics, and then it's all automated. Well, that isn't free, unfortunately, and so in order to pay for that, we've taken the first 18 episodes, which were season one, and we've put them for sale for the very nice price of $27. A little pricey, but we don't have a huge audience, so we figure you know, people that are really into the show and want to hear the first 18 episodes, that's a way that they can do it and help support the podcast so that we can keep putting out episodes, which, you know, it's not cheap, but it sure is tons of fun. So if, you're, uh, if you want to support the show, we'd really appreciate it if you go pick up a copy of that for your friend. makes a great uh, stocking stuffer, I'm sure, a digital stocking stuffer. But today, we've got an awesome topic, which I'm super excited about. How to make a $6,000 a month site, a site that generates $6,000 in revenue in five months, which is something that I can proudly say we have accomplished as of yesterday with the help of Sean Ogle and the rest of our team. Um, at the end of the episode, we're going to talk about accounting software woes and how you can set up a digital product for sale in less than five minutes. That's what we're going to talk about, but first... Man, I'm excited. I'm excited, too. Well, you know, let's just jump right into it. How does how does somebody make a $6,000 site, and how do we do that? <laughs> the first thing, I just want to make a couple disclaimers, okay? We're not going to reveal the name of the URL of this site or the particular product that we're selling in this podcast. Now, if you're the kind of person that is going to just drive you crazy, just turn the audio off now. We're sorry. I kind of wish we could speak a little bit more openly, but it's just not really worth it to us right now to do that. In the future, I think we're going to be much more open about this stuff. And then when we're, when we're, not, in a, when we're not so vulnerable and somebody else could potentially sneak around the corner and crush us, <laughs> maybe, maybe we'll release it. But until then. The second thing is, you know, this is just one particular method. This happens to be uh, a site that we did that was an e-commerce site. Uh, serving industrial products, so uh, B2B mostly kind of products. So, you know, obviously there's a bunch of different ways to create a site, but this is just one, and there's going to be a lot of overlapping principles, even though this is a site that sells manufactured products. Uh, we hope that there's a lot of import for people that are into the information game or the software game, which are spaces that we're very interested in as well. So how about we just – are you ready to just get off on this thing and just and get started, Ian? Yeah, I'm ready, and – you know, just as an, as another disclaimer, this was just one of our niche sites that made six thousand dollars this month. So, and we've got a few of them. Baller, baller! Wow. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of where we're cool. at. It's it's a good time. All right. Well, the first thing, and I think something that's really difficult for people is niche selection. It can. I mean, I struggle still with niche selection. And I know that a lot of people out there do. So let's walk through some of the ways that we chose this niche and some of the things that you kind of go through when you're thinking about how to select a niche. 
Um, the first thing that I really thought of, you were the one who I, you basically identify 90% of our niches. And it might be just something about your DNA, Ian, I'm not sure, but uh, you really have a knack for kind of responding to the market. And when you brought the idea to me first, kind of the first thing that goes to my head when you're selecting a niche is I visualize myself being a part of that niche for like the next five years. And so I, I don't want to get caught up. Well the, well, the first thing that happened was I had to convince you for like, I don't know, two weeks, right? I had to buy you a bunch of beer. Yeah. Get you some sandwiches and be like, Dan, please, please, please. And you're like, but man, I don't want to spend my time selling these products. And I was like, it's going to be great. So finally you agreed, right? Yeah, true enough. So I was a hard sell on this in part because I wasn't quite sold on our key differentiators. It seemed like a bit of a slog and you were like, and for a bunch of reasons, um, which we'll get into, you had a pretty darn compelling case that I eventually had to go. And, you know, I did do that visualization. I said, hey, this is going to be a five-year go. Um, what kind of benefits are, is our business going to see? Am I going to see over that term? And do we think we can compete over that time horizon? And, I, and in both cases, I was like, yes, this is going to be good for us to get involved in this business. And so that was the first thing with niche selection. The second thing is you really want to take an inventory of all the kinds of things that you believe that you can produce with excellent quality. You know, so you want to sit and look at your capabilities and say, what are the kinds of things that I can deliver at, on par or better than anybody else out there? And that's kind of what we did with these products. We knew that we could create products better than our competitors eventually. I mean, again, give yourself that five-year time horizon. So, so in some of those key competitive advantages that we saw in this were uh, design, uh, SEO, customer service, culture. Yeah, and we also knew that by being in a parallel space to our competitors, that these guys sucked. And especially, Ian, a lot of those things really do come down to culture. I mean, in some ways, we believe because we've developed a cool culture at our company where smart people work in our organization and we take on innovative techniques, that that really gives us a sustainable advantage over people. And that kind of trickles down into things like design and SEO tactics, which might be, you know, for a lot of companies, SEO is still not necessarily on the radar. And and, right. and so customer service, of course, like get, being responsive, fast quotes. So those are some of the things that we did identify that we believe we could be competitive in this niche. But one of the biggest things about niche selection were the key terms. And I remember this was really the most compelling case that you had. Because yeah. you basically pulled up the Google keyword tool and said, look, look how many people are searching for these products. It's incredible. Um, you also did an evaluation of the buying temperature of those key terms. It's very clear that when people are searching for this term, they want to buy something. And then look... right. Look at what our competitors are offering. I mean, it's crap. We can do. We believe over a five-year horizon that we can do better than these right. guys. Right. So, so with that key term research, that was that was really an interesting thing, and I don't think that happens all the time. With with, but it did happen in this niche, and and that's like if you're looking for L.A. Dodgers baseball tickets, you're not looking that up for any other reason. Well, ninety percent of the people that search for that are looking to purchase those tickets or to see what the price is. And so it's kind of the same in, in this niche in that people searching for the term are very likely to buy the product. And so right. that just meant that the number of searches had had a, at least a, over a 50% chance that those people were willing to purchase, we thought. Right. 
And so the next step then is to kind of look at the link profile of your competition and see what kind, how established they are in that key term. And the way you can do that is you can go to a site like linkdiagnosis.com or you can use SEO Moz's tool, which will essentially show you what kind of links your competition has. And then again, you look at that and you say, are these kinds of things that I can compete with? Can I market our business such that, you know, in the course of 12 months, can we get better links than these guys? And again, the answer in this case was, yeah, like if we stick to it and work at it every day, we can get better links than these guys. And so I think that that was another key element to the niche selection thing. So you've got a huge market with low competition or competition that we felt that we could take on. And and the other exciting thing about it for us, and we've talked about it on the show before, is in the past we've selected markets that were too small. And this was a real chance for us to step up into a much, much bigger market. Yeah. 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 And, you know, another thing I, I think that's important, and I hope, that people can figure out a way to relate to this. But the reason we started, the reason we wanted to get in this niche is because we actually want to manufacture these products that we're currently distributing. And so this is a real opportunity for us to understand our competition and also our suppliers. So basically we're talking to our suppliers that we're going to be in competition with in six months. And I think you can probably relate that to if you're selling an information product, maybe large-scale distribution. Does that make sense? What our point is is that we're taking a strategy that's actually very common in the information business, which is developing an, an audience of customers before you spend all your time on the back-end operations or production. And so a great example of that is like if you want to get into – if you're thinking – if you're doing a niche selection, like I want to get in the make money online niche, and you, you do all the same things that we just talked about, and you look at it over a five-year time period and everything, a great first step is to start reviewing other people's products because then you're developing an audience of customers. And then because the people that are going to want to look at reviews, obviously, are people that want to are making buying decisions. So what we're doing is um, and this relates to one of our points, which is you want to take an 80-20 approach to your operations and your production. So even though Ian and I can manufacture the products that we just sold $6,000 worth of, we're not doing that yet. Because what we're focused on, we know we can make the best product, but that's resource intensive. What we want to focus on, on the front end is cultivating that customer base that can then fund, uh, you know, what would be a much more cash-intensive investment, which is actually going out and, in our case, that's making molds and ordering inventory. And, and I mean, that's just very cash-intensive. So we're focused on the front-end hustle, which is getting customers. Yeah, yeah? absolutely. And, and this was a way that we saw that we can kind of get into the game, too, without having to, like you said, put up all that upfront cost. And I want to tell, um, I want to tell everybody about another tactic that we used in, to get into this niche. And this is one that I commonly use all the time. I think you know this. Is that I call the competition and I have a conversation with them. Maybe it's about products that they're selling. Uh, Maybe it's about their business in general. Anyways, I figure out a way to call the competition uh, so I can understand their personalities. Maybe get some insider information into how they work. And you can do this if, if in just about any industry. If if you're looking to get into it, um, I would highly suggest calling your competition. Yeah, I don't meet a lot of high-level CEOs who are doing great business without like having great information about their competition. One other thing on this 80-20 point that I want to touch on is making sure that you take an 80-20 approach. And that's, of course, focusing on the 20% of inputs that create 80% of your results, right? 
taking that approach to your technology and your design is really important. Um, newbies spend way, way, way too much time fiddling around with technology and design. I'm going to tell you this, and, you're going to, and if you're a newbie, you're probably going to make this mistake anyway, but if there's any way that you can find a way to streamline yourself out of futzing around with technology and design, you're going to be much better off focusing on making sales. Some specific examples of how we do that, there are difficulties in creating complex shipping and recommendation algorithms for your back end of your shopping cart. Just put a flat rate on the stuff. Just put a flat rate on it. Get it done. Get it check out through PayPal. Whatever, whatever you need to do to take people's money and to put a product up there, just get and, it done. And, and, and to that note, you know, err on the err on the high side. So <laughs> because yeah. because if if you're in such a tight market that you feel like you can't charge, I don't know, an extra ten fifteen dollars for shipping on an overestimated you know shipping cost, then it's probably not sustainable. You're going to get crushed by the margins in about you know three months. So just just. My suggestion would be to overestimate all that stuff. Never lose money on a deal. Let me take a step back to talk about one critical part of this process, which is buying a domain name. Uh, There's just two tips that I just want to leave in people's minds, something to consider when you're buying a domain name. Number one is Google still gives tons and tons of relevance to domain names that have the keywords in it. So if you can base your company name around the keyword, you're going to have a huge advantage, especially because most third-party sites like media sites link to you based on your company name so if you've got that anchor text you know if you're like dan's fire hydrants that's the name of my company every time i get a link from somebody it's going to be fire hydrant so i'm going to get that anchor text link juice from that so what's up the with other... uh, what's up with buying old domains is that like i don't know if i brought this up before i'm not really the, the guy to know about this but what's up with that Google gives a lot of, in its algorithm, it gives advantage to domains that have age. And so a lot of SEO, internet marketer guys will go buy old domains that have a good reputation with Google because you can rank a lot faster with them. Part of the, there's a sandboxing uh, tech, um, issue. So the site that made us $6,000 this past month is actually still sandboxed for our main key terms. And the reason we're getting these sales right now is because of our long tail product pages. So we say we on the site we have like 50 products. We're putting those products under keyword rich and focused landing pages that are getting long tail searches. So Google will allow a new domain to rise to the top for unique key phrases that might not have existed in the past, but they'll actually penalize you or hold you back artificially from ranking for um, the, the more high dollar key terms, even if you have better links in the competition. That's just the way Google operates. So that's why a lot of people will go get those older, um, more trusted, so to speak, domains. Prevents from basically web spam. The other thing about buying a domain that I think is important is, uh, there's this is a classy newbie mistake, is basically people create businesses that have too broad of a scope and so like people might shy away from getting a keyword domain name because they want to like eventually get into new markets or whatever you know i say let your customers fund that stuff and once you have an audience it's pretty easy to redirect them to other product lines and parallel kinds of offerings so make sure that like what you're aiming to provide is very very specific because people do not care about your brand and they do not care about your total offering or whatever they're looking to solve a problem so i'm just suggesting that for your first business or if you're launching a new one just go directly after the pain point uh, with your domain name 
the next thing that we did in order to create a $6,000 a month site is we hired somebody. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we knew based on our analysis. Preemptive hire. We did a little bit of a preemptive hire. Um, Part of the way we did this, actually, is we made – we did a predictive analysis. We said – if we're number three in Google in three months, we're going to get X amount of traffic flow. And this is, you can make this as scientific as you want. Our calculations weren't particularly scientific. We say, okay, we can expect to get 10, 15% of the traffic in the third spot. Um, our conversion rate is going to be 1% to 2%. Our profit margin is X. We actually had an expectation of what we were going to make on the site. And it's kind of in line. It's, it's, it's pretty much in line, actually, now that I think back to it. I mean, we never wrote this down officially. We said, hey, look, if that's if that's pretty much what we know is going to happen and we're pretty much focused on other businesses that are more profitable, we need to go hire somebody. And boom, Tropical MBA comes out of the woodwork. Yeah, and the, and the other thing, too, that, that was in that, that equation was obviously leverage from other companies. So this was basically a company that could benefit a lot from other things that were going on in terms of our team. So it, it really made, you know, made sense to put one more guy on it so to speak, our team. And the key thing wasn't, you know, hiring an assistant or hiring somebody like do the crap work or something. We wanted to hire somebody that could do tasks that we knew would drive us towards revenue. And in this case, that's the link building, that's the AdWords, um, you know, that's building relationships with our suppliers, doing competitive research, all these things that we know would lead directly to us creating some revenue. And the eighth thing that we uh, have on our list here. And this one, this one is the magic bullet for us. This one is huge, huge. I want to, if I had, once this podcast gets to the next level, we're going to have drum rolls <laughs> and shit. And now's the time for the drum roll. This no, you know what we're going to have? You know what we're going to have for this point? We're going to have a whole show dedicated to this point because I think you and I both equally have 30 minutes apiece to say about this. It is huge. And let me tell you, this is something that especially people in the lifestyle design, people who are looking to, to develop muses. Uh, Tim Ferriss very specifically actually addresses his, this issue in his methodology, and people don't give it a lot of credence, and people shy away from it, and they're leaving it on the table. And here it is. Get a phone. Get a phone and put a big, fat telephone number on, in, the, in the middle of your site, right underneath Please. the name of your company, Say we solve X problem and then put a huge phone number underneath it. And here's the issue. Right now, Ian and I run a bunch of e-commerce sites. 80% of our sales are made on the phone. Yeah, that's true. Now, I know a lot of people are concerned about creating businesses that allow them to travel the world or allow them freedom and flexibility. And so the easy initial thought is to think well, I'll just build it without the phone component, and then I'll know that in, like, two years I won't need a phone, right? Eh. Like, that, uh, yeah, where's the buzzer sound? Eh. Look, 80% of our profits and revenues come from the phone. That more, more than pays for a full-time sales representative in San Diego. Well, here, okay, so here's the thing, right, is is if 80% of your sales, now there's a couple couple reasons why 80% of our sales come from the phone and that's because most of the products that we sell are higher dollar products yeah and and I think that's an interesting point is is if you're selling a product uh, I'd say like around $300 and up most of the time people want to speak to you about it so that's something to keep in mind 
Um, you know, if you're selling a five or six dollar product, maybe you can get away with it. But I still wouldn't. I still wouldn't by any means not recommend having a phone, because there are so many advantages to to having a phone. And the number one advantage is that you get to talk to your customers, and that is so crucial. I think, as Tim Ferriss points out too, in the beginning stages of a business and understanding products and your customers. And a lot of times you have to do that on the phone. Yeah, we're five months into it now, and we're still learning every day from our customers, directly from our market. You know, I'm a web guy. I spend all of my time, and I'm lucky enough. You know, I don't like to be on the phone. I'm a, I'm a digital nomad, as people know. But, you know, having this phone element to the business has allowed me to be able to afford not to do that, you know? I see a lot of people struggling with just online sales, and they're, they're not able to have that high bandwidth connection with their customers and their market to, like, really make sales happen. And, uh, you know, I'm, even though I'm this web guy, right, and I look at analytics every day and all this crap, like, I can, like, make adjustments and do stuff, of course, all day long that make us more sales. But most of our big breakthroughs come from information we get directly from talking with customers. And I think that's important too. Like when our sales rep writes me an email and he's like, hey, I was just like, he forwards me a PO or something and says, I was just talking to this guy for five minutes and here's what he said to me. And it's like, whoa, that'll like totally change the way we we do our business, you know? Yeah, it's where all the gold comes from. I mean, it's so hard for people to to articulate things in the first place and then to expect them to write you an email maybe about like where they heard from you or where they heard about you or like what they think about your product. It's just impossible. They're never going to do it. So here's the biggest the, – this is the – this is like one of those structural issues I see in the digital nomad lifestyle design community. And I think a lot of those types of people listen to the, the podcast and I'm one of those types of people. Don't build your business without a phone. Build your business on the phone. That's what Tim Ferriss suggests and that's what Ian suggests. And I would listen to both of those guys. So build your business on the phone and then make enough money to delete the phone later. Whether you hire somebody or you realize maybe it's not valuable for your business. Maybe you're in the software as a service business and it doesn't matter. Who knows? But trust us on this one. If at all you're, 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 you're not making those conversions, you don't know enough about the market, you're struggling with your analytics, you're struggling with AdWords, just junk AdWords, man. You're going to spend too much money. It's too complicated. Just call people. Get on that phone. Do the hustle. Learn about your market. It's high bandwidth. It's high conversion. It's brilliant. That's how we did it. I mean, that out of the six thousand dollars that this site made last month, five. Well, actually, this is month. To, this is month to date, right? I mean, it's uh, yeah, yeah. We got fifteen fifteen days left in the month. Okay, so we're doing pretty good. So one thousand dollars came through the cart, and five thousand dollars came through the phone. Yeah. Last last month, this site did what seventeen hundred. Most of it through the cart or something and the, the month before that it did 1500 um no i'd say most of it actually came through the phone you know okay so uh but you know it also came through email and phone so you know another th- another thing i guess t- related to the phone and also related to email and one of the reasons why we make sales happen on this site is because we're extremely responsive so you know, there's situations, I guess, where you could um, have it go to Google Voice, and then if you're out of the country, you call them back via Skype five minutes later or something like that. Um, something I've done when I've traveled to Asia is I've just, like, stayed up a little bit later to kind of catch the end in the beginning of the day right? and call people back that way. But 
my point about being responsive on the phone, also we're very responsive on email. I mean, everything, every question that comes through, every purchase order that comes through, uh, we answer that email within one to two hours. And we do that for a bunch of different reasons, but it's, it's very important that you're responsive because a lot of times, I mean, people are bidding out products, you know, they might, uh, if you don't answer the phone, if you don't answer the email, they'll go to the next guy. So we always make sure to be there for that. And uh, I, I know we've won a lot of sales up. Very cool. Hey, let's wrap it up. I think we should circle back to this site on the podcast in a couple months to see where we're at with it. But I know we had talked about getting this site to at least 10 to 15 grand a month by the end of the year. And so I think that's totally realistic given the kind of month that we're having so far here. And, you know, like we said earlier, we're still sandboxed. We're still working on getting rankings for those main key terms. And actually, some of our listeners are helping us out with that. How cool is that? Um, yeah. At, uh, I'm going to link up again Jamie's Twitter account. Um, Jamie is just an SEO ninja and is just berating me for how much of an idiot I am, and rightfully so. I <laughs> I am not as talented as this guy, and so I'm tracking down Jamie to get him on the uh, podcast shortly. Also, I want to thank uh, everyone who commented on episode 30. I think a lot of people liked episode 30, which was about our LLC and corporation issues. You know, that we're not really confident. I mean, when I finished recording that episode, I didn't think, oh, yeah, that was great or something. But it seems like people are really struggling with those kinds of issues, too. Um, we've got some cool comments from David at Greenback Tax Services. Actually, he left a really helpful comment. And he's starting a muse to provide, you know, tax help to expats. So if you are, uh, you know, an expat and you have uh, tax services, it's possible that David could help you out. So you should definitely check out his comment on the blog. Also got a comment from t- old Tyrone Shum here from Mass Outsource, and he loves our new design. And I do too. I didn't do that. Someone way smarter than us did that. Thanks, Tyrone. Nice. And Kim Doyle from the WordPress Chicks, she's switching over to a Mac platform. You know, I got to say, I just got into the beginning of why you should buy a MacBook Pro in episode number 30. Uh, you know, I've had it for a couple more weeks now. Obviously, this machine is a freaking Ferrari. I think I said BMW. It's a Ferrari. I mean, the battery lasts for eight hours. It's gorgeous. I could, I'm going to do a whole episode about why I love the MacBook Pro. And then we've got uh, uh, Matt commented as well. Uh, he's uh, been a listener now for – he's been a great commenter. been talking to him a lot on Twitter. And um, he's excited about getting a mastermind group together, and so am I. We've got to do some kind of mastermind coming up here. Um, not sure the format for that, but definitely. And Kevin – Kevin from Swell CMS made a hilarious joke about uh, <laughs> our use of the term. I think we said hypothetically about 25 times in that episode. Hypothetically, so, I think. <laughs> uh, assuming that episode does exist, yes. So let's move on to the quick tip section. We've got uh, two quick tips. Actually, you wanted to put out a call for help, a mayday signal. What's going on with your book management system, Ian? Uh, I've got a little bit of a rant, a little bit of a call for help. So maybe you guys out there um, listening have some suggestions. Okay. Basically, we a lot of what we do is uh, inventory-based, and uh, a lot of what we do is online. So right now we use QuickBooks. I think we use like an older version of QuickBooks. It's not this year's. Maybe it's last year's or the year before. So maybe some things have changed. But uh, we've searched pretty high and dry on the Internet. Um, looking for solutions to manage uh, different inventory. Um, you know, sometimes as a drop shipper, sometimes as, 
you know, items shipping from our warehouse, and it just gets extremely messy. So what we're looking for is um, an inventory management system and also uh, something that manages and ties in with our online sales. And basically, you know, QuickBooks can handle that in some capacity, but there's all kinds of downloads and plugins, and it's a wreck. It's a wreck. So there's a huge opportunity, I think, unless somebody tells me otherwise that it exists, to create some kind of uh, software for uh, online businesses selling hard goods for inventory management. The one pain point that I really have with that as well is that it doesn't offer company dashboard. And I know that there's a lot of people developing software for dashboard kind of stuff, especially in a software development space. Wouldn't it be cool to be able to walk into the office and like see what's going on in the company in terms of revenue, in terms of uh, conversions, in terms of where your inventory is at? Like all these kind of solutions are coming down the pike, but you know, even simple things like it really sucks that I don't know how much revenue we did last month or, or like last week, for example. Um, right. cause I gotta like call you up and say, Hey, log into QuickBooks, look at total sales, or I gotta like download the file from the FTP and like lo- load up QuickBooks on my end. And it's just like, you know, such a headache. There's no dashboard. There's no good information. Um, you know, we've looked around for all kinds of solutions and it's tough. So if you guys are out there, if you're doing something that's really working well for you, let us know about that. And, and in fact, if, if you don't want to write us a big book about it, you know, um, which I love receiving big books in my email address, but a lot of people that, you know, they just want to give us a ring, you can give us a ring at 888-554-8428. We've got a phone number, man. And some people just call me on this to just leave yeah. me personal messages, and that's awesome. So they just calling up to say, hey, you know, Dan, uh, I didn't have your phone number, so I just called this number on your site and uh, just wanted to, you know, leave me X message, and that's cool. So that's uh, totally. 888-554-8428. At the beginning of the episode, I promised I would uh, let people know how they can start to sell digital products online in less than five minutes, and you can do it by going to e junkie. Com. This is a tip that I've heard from a bunch of different people. Uh, it's a competitor with ClickBank, but it seems like the interface is smoother. I'm not really sure. I went to eJunkie and I said, I'm going to do this because it's cheap. It's five bucks a month after a seven-day trial period, regardless of what kind of volume you're doing. That's pretty sweet because you're used to working with people like PayPal, who I can't wait till PayPal just gets bombed off of this planet. I am so sick of PayPal. I, I heard that some Y Combinator guys or some people... There's like a couple new movements for like payments online and new banking systems that Dustin Curtis might be working on or something. Yeah. I just can't wait till someone that's intelligent enough comes and just like bazookas PayPal off the planet. Pay- I realize that PayPal is did- PayPal is driving my Porsche, and I hate them <laughs> for it. You know what I mean? Like every you time know- I look at how much money those scumbags take from us, it's just like unbelievable because the service they're providing is not exceptional. It's it's oh, man. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to back up on that. I mean, look, you got to give them props. They legitimately changed the world. I mean, you can pay a software developer in the Ukraine instantly without having a bank. In the they middle, cha- they right? changed the world 10 years ago. Okay, fair enough. And And now they're the only person in the space. And so, you know, they are driving your Porsche. That's hilarious. Fair enough to them. They're brilliant. They changed the world. They did great things. But now they're freaking annoying and they need to go. So the, the consumer is fickle. You know, it's just like, remember what you, what you used to think of uh, Hyundai uh, 10 years ago? And now you're like, well, i got to get me one of those. Have you seen the new Hyundai sports cars? Oh, man. Oh, my gosh. Those things are gorgeous. Let me, let me stick to the topic here. The topic is e-junkie. I 
literally did this myself last night. I downloaded all of our episodes. I put them into a zip file. I got an account at eJunkie with just a password and an email address. I uploaded our files, put a price in, told them the email address of my PayPal account, and it was done. They gave me a buy now button, and I put it on the site, and it was done. Five minutes now, I've got a 100% comprehensive checkout solution. If you buy our first season, uh, an email goes to you saying thank you, sending you a download link that where you can download the file off of eJunkie's servers. It's absolutely brilliant. Five minutes, five bucks a month, eJunkie.com. You can do audio, you can do ebooks, uh, you can do all kinds of cool stuff. Definitely recommend eJunkie.com. Wow, are you, are uh, you getting affiliate sales from those guys? No, we don't. We haven't done any affiliate sales yet. Um, you know, it just takes a little while to set up, and we haven't really gotten around to it. Maybe someday we'll do some affiliate stuff. Cool. Uh, yeah, but uh, I think well, a lot of people said um, we've got that ten game changing thinkers sign up form on our site right now. That is probably one of the top three best podcasts we've ever done. And you can get that podcast by putting your email address into the side of our site under the 10 Game Changing Thinkers. And a lot of people have actually been emailing me saying they bought a bunch of the books. There's no affiliate links there or anything like that. So I'm not against affiliate links. I'm just uh, busy. (laughs) So just a real quick, another shout out. I know you did it earlier for the first seasons, the first 18 episodes. You know, this is really going to help us. It's really going to help us reinvest our, um, reinvest into the Lifestyle Business Podcast. So if you know somebody that, might enjoy this or if you might enjoy re-listening or listening for the first time please purchase that and we promise we will uh, use it to reinvest all right well you know i gotta wrap it up because i have tons of stuff to do and i've got to go to a tropical island so this is dan saying catch you next time for ian my my captain my ceo my suave counterpart any parting shots thank you that was very nice and adios adios talk to you later Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. Don't be shy. We've got a mailing list, lifestylebusinesspodcast.com. Go there, get yourself signed up, and we'll keep you up to date on everything.